Welcome to the Science of Beers podcast with me, Mick Mickey. Talking science and drinking beers with researchers down at the pub. We cover a new topic each episode, so join us with a brew and let's cheers to science. Normally in this podcast we talk about science while we drink beer. The two are not normally interconnected, but this week we are getting into the science of beer with master brewer Klaus Christensen. Klaus has a PhD from the University of Copenhagen and he works here in Owens, Denmark, uh, making his own own beer at the Monkabo Brewery. I met up with him last night down at his bar and we we talked about his beer making process, how he finds the yeast to make his beer, and we, we just had a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoy. Let us know what you think. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out the Monkabo Brewery if you're living in Nuanza. Klaus Christensen, thank you very much for joining me in the Science of Beers podcast. We are standing here at Owenza Harbour outside your brewery, the Monkabo Brewery. Well, actually, uh, it's a uh First it will be a distillery and then we will have a system for brewing. First it's a distillery. We are brewing other places right now, so but our distilling system, which we can talk about later, is almost half done. So we will distill in uh, oak barrels and making gin and whiskey here and then we will brew when the system comes for brewing later. But you do have beer here at the moment? Oh yeah, lots of beer. I just brew it, brew it another place. And we're going to be talking about beer. We're going to be talking about the science of beer. What's that today? <laughs> can, can we go inside and have a tour of the place? Oh yes, yeah. So, so the place is right beside the water, right beside owns a owns a canal. We're just looking over the industrial part of the city. It's a beautiful evening. Maybe one of the last of the of the year. Uh, let's 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 hope there's a little bit more. A little let's bit more. Squeeze a little bit more out of it. So as you walk into the Monkabo Brewery, you're just stricken by by all things that feel that there coming from a Viking age, there's a little, I don't know, four foot high sculpture of a Viking. Who, who's made this? It was made by a sculpture in another part of this uh, island, but actually it's the innovation prize from, uh, from the old uh, place in Katamin, because uh, they gave it to me because I isolated yeast from the surface of a honeybee for brewing beer, and then they gave me a, a one meter high vi- Viking in oak. So hang on a minute, just for the, li- the listener, the, the sculpture of the Viking looks a little bit like the dwarf from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But you just said that you got this as a gift because you took it's yeast from the honeybee's legs to yeah. make beer. Yeah, yeah it's actually it's an oak tree from, from the village of my father. It was a, con- it was a co- coincidence. But actually it's uh, because the, in Mungabu, uh, 1,000 years ago, we have the Viking king of this area. There's like a big hall. So they imagined how he could like, uh, look like and how I look like, and then they mixed it into this Viking. I must, I must say, Klaus, you do strike me as a Viking. You know, you're a tall <laughs> man, you've got a great big hairy beard. Yeah. It's covered up at the moment with a, with a, I don't know, a face mask because oh, yeah. we're standing it's up. A small funny story. I researched a little bit of my ancestors and actually a line of my father's, but actually going to Bornholm, as a south of this island, Bornholm, then Norway, and then he went to Iceland and be one of the first settlers of Iceland and going a little bit back. Do you remember the history of Beowulf? 
I saw a movie, Beowulf. Yeah, it was actually to a kings, uh, Viking kings in Lyra i Roskilde, and it was actually a line from my ancestors on my father's side. So, so you're proper, authentic, 100% Viking. Uh, as good as it gets. As good as it gets, and proper exploring Vikings as well. <laughs> I wonder if your ancestors made some made some mead or, or beer up in Iceland. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you remember, actually, when, uh, do you know the history when, uh, when Ragnar was attacking uh, Paris? Yes, yeah, yes. My, my ancestors was there too. Ragnar Lothbrok. However, there was uh, a German Markgraf which was killed by Ragnar. So I was not at the Viking side in this, this battle. Oh. <laughs> you know your ancestry. <laughs> I, I want to go over here because this looks really interesting, Klaus. So there is, we're standing in front of two tree barks. They've been stripped. They're lying down horizontally and they've had the insides hollowed out, uh, just leaving one side open. So it's almost like two large troughs uh, can you tell me what, what's going on here, Klaus? Um, actually, it was um, one day I met, uh, just like tried to imagine how did a Viking beer taste. And in the beginning of the Viking age, they didn't have the, the enough metal to make a, a pot to make beer. So they actually, they did uh, extremely old-fashioned way. They took just like a hollow, an uh, oak tree, and uh, they hollowed it out so there could be, uh, it could be, uh, be water inside. So in the beginning, they, um, they, put, uh, they put water in the hollow oak trees and they heated it up with stones. So they make a fire and with granite stones, they put the stones in the water. So they actually heated the water up with, with, with stones, with, with heating wa- in, wa- in, um, in fire. And then they, when, the, when the water was hot, they put in um, uh, barley and melt. And then they, they, it was crushed, of course, and extracted all the sugar. And then they, they took another uh, oak tree which was filled with uh, juniper branches, and they filtered the mash back to the other one. And then they added the yeast from the nature. So they could actually brew, uh, um, it was, uh, they could brew beer in hollow oak trees. And we copied it some years ago, and we do it maybe one per year. But we took, uh, we took barley and we mashed it in. Then we filtered it over, over a floor of uh, juniper branches, and um, what are called mellowed, it's a uh, it's, uh, woodworm. Uh-huh. And then the barge from a uh, birch tree, it actually... It's Sorry, woodworm? Woodworm, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, can, you, can you translate, it's a uh, birkebark. Birkebark, uh, birch? Yeah, birch tree yeah. bark. Yeah, and actually, when, if you make tea of this bark, it actually tastes of strawberries. Uh-huh. So, so, so to a bit, depending on the wood that you use, the yeah, it would come everything has a different yeah. flavor. So if you were stuck in the forest with just a, just an axe, then you could make your own beer. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. I'm going to take a picture of this and I'll, I'll, I'll share it on, on the group. This is a, a huge, huge, almost kind of warehouse place we have here with this beautiful old, old wood everywhere. Uh, and you have a load of beers over there on tap as well, Klaus. We can uh, this one. Uh, the, my distillery is half done. Can, can we see the distillery? Yeah, of course. We'll just walk past uh, Music. Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam there. So we're walking at the back of the brewery here. So this is actually... Um, so just uh, if you imagine uh, a distillery is more or less like a bit copper pot or stainless steel pot with a stainless steel pot or a copper pot on top. 
but we are in for recycling, so everything is as recycled as possible. So instead of buying a big copper pot, we actually, I bought two barrels of 500 liters from a Spanish castle, wine castle, and then I'm going to uh, transform this vessel with heated element from the bottom, and I will put a, a copper and a stainless steel uh, top on it, and then I will actually still in, uh, in wooden oak barrels. So whenever I saw distilleries uh, before, they're usually huge copper uh, barrels, but this looks like it's, we're going back a couple of hundred years in the kind of method here, yeah. which is really, it looks really authentic. I'm standing beside a, a massive barrel here. That's a, I'll take a picture of this as well. And what, what are you making in this, Klaus? Yeah, so right now I'm, I'm putting it together, I've got all the parts and put it, to, it together in art so everything would work together. And then uh, I will start making gin in this one. And when we get our brewing system in the winter time, I will make whiskey and absinthe and eau de vie. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, eau de vie, rum, as a, everything that tequila, as a, whatever can be distilled, we will do it. Uh, water, melon, brandy. Uh, let me see, uh, Ruabab, brandy. That sounds pretty good to me. That sounds pretty good to me. That sounds like uh, a lot of fun you're going to have right here. And this looks like a proper science experiment on over here. We got some uh, some conical flasks over here. and uh, Yeah, this is actually just, uh, I made some media for my yeast. They are actually just standing in my desk, just waiting to be used. Okay, so I'm looking at uh, seven different... Uh, Half a liter jars. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they have been they have been sterilized, so the interior is sterilized. So I use it for media. It's more or less just um, melt melt media with a little bit of sugar, and it just are completely sterile, so nothing will grow it. And then I add flowers into this one, so I see what is growing on the surface of flowers. Ah, okay. So so you have the. This is just the media. You have the standard media, and then you. Uh, you throw in some things where you think there might be an interesting yeast. Yeah, and let's see what happens. That's that's really cool. That's proper proper science to me. I want to go back outside and talk to you because I know that you you do come from a science background. And this is science and beers. There's uh, about 12 men back there chanting some kind of Viking chant. I don't know what they're doing. They're all drinking beers and acting all Vikingy. This was a thousand years ago. As an Irish person, I'd be very nervous. Twice, we're sitting here outside the Mugger Brewery. I am drinking an extravaganza beer from uh, Amaya. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you on? This is uh, this is uh, 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 White Knight. Yeah. This is a session IPA from Ale Farm in Greve. Yeah. Uh, just like high in hops, low in alcohol, and extremely rich in taste. Cheers to that. Skål. This this is almost uh, almost fruity, almost cidery in its taste actually. Yeah, this one is made with a, so like a farmhouse ale and a mix of different yeasts, giving it a, a quite unique taste. So, you're I'm looking at the glass here, and it's a branded glass, the Monkey Burberry. This is Yggdrasil. Yeah, Utrasil, yeah. Utrasil. Ask Utrasil. That, that is, is that the Viking tree of life? Can you tell me what yes. Yggdrasil is? Yeah, it's actually, it's, uh, yeah, it's the, it's a tree of life. Just like, you know, in every uh, elf movie, they have a big uh, tree. 
Yeah. I think they got it from somewhere. So, uh, but the Vikings have just like one big world tree connecting everything, all, all the nine worlds. There's nine worlds in the Viking? Yeah, there are black elves, and white elves, and that's the just the middle where we are living, and yeah, that's a lot of them. So we, I come down here with the intentions of talking about beer and brewing, uh, brewing uh, but uh, it, I think you can give a proper sense and beers talk about Vikings as well. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 you're from a long, a thousand years descendants of, of Vikings and you, you seem to know a lot about them as well. Oh yeah, it's uh, when, uh, when, um, when I'm running, running as a CEO, there's a lot of questions to, to handle all the time. But when I have a half an hour, I just dive into my ancestors and see what they do, just to get my mind away, and then I'm back. Exactly. So yeah. I intend a little bit of, it's funny, it's relaxing, and uh, then I uh, go to see what my ancestors did. Yeah, it's like, that's a nice little mindfulness trick whenever things are too yeah, busy. Yeah, yeah. It, it focuses you back again, grounds you. And you seem to be inspired as well, because a lot of, your, a lot of you, the beers that you make yourself, uh, have Viking names like Ragnarok yeah. and uh, things like that. So, yeah, was the, so when I started up my brewery about seven years ago, I went into what should this brand do? What should the name? And when I was walking around in a local warehouse or store, everything was in in English. Uh, and uh, even though that English is our more or less the universal language, why should we tell the story of a different place when we have so much? to talk about just just around the corner if you just look for it. So in Mad it's a, in our small town we have the Viking King one thousand years ago before he moved to this part of the island. So why not tell this story? What about the and again we if we don't use our history in our present time, then it becomes history and not living. So everything should be used or it's worthless. That that's that's a beautiful story, though. You know, you, you need to you need to keep keep the the memory of times gone by alive. You need to keep the memory of your ancestors alive. You know, we can if we can't learn from history. Yeah. If we don't know history, we can't learn from history. Yeah. And then don't repeat the bad ones and uh, repeat the good ones. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So luckily, the the Vikings are not sailing over to Ireland on the. On raids anymore. <laughs> uh, I think that the northern part of Ireland was Norwegian. I think about Vikings. Norwegian Vikings. I think so. Yes. Okay. They so tested I, the DNA. I shouldn't have any beef with uh, Danish, Danish Vikings. It's uh, it's the Norwegians. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that what they called the Shetland, the the outer island of Scotland. I think this also what directed the center of Vikings from Norway. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, I'm turning it round. I'm coming over to Scandinavia now. Uh, Klaus, you're you're a, you're a master brewer. You have your own uh, you have your own brand of beer here. But you come from a science background. Mm. You have a PhD. Yes. In what? Uh, um, it's actually it's uh, in health science, but uh, I have a master degree in biology, just like you. Uh, but uh, I don't know if people know, but there's two kinds of uh, biologists. Is the one who works in the lab and the one that works in nature. Yeah. yeah the one with the, w the rubber boots in the yeah, bucket. Uh, 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 which one are you? <laughs> it's the rubber boots in the bucket. I'm the other one. Okay. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the biologist working in the lab, just like investigating cells and proteins and making, uh, changing the DNA of these cells, uh, 
just investigating, for example, how does, does cancer cell interact? So uh, biologists can make a lot of different things. I, I firmly believe that uh, more biologists would make the world a better place. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it's a but. Gonna, it's a go, if you just like pause there a little bit and go back in my history, my actually my my family comes from the small farms of the island, which always have been brewing beer. So uh, first, you have to be a pharmacist or a chemical engineer, and then you can build up uh, one and a half, two years, and then you could be a brewmaster. But I took a master degree in biology, and then instead of making a master brewer, I took a, I got a PhD from a faculty. So I took my PhD in protein chemistry, molecular biology, and cell biology. And um, after some time, uh, I always know I have to go into the uh, private era. So uh, area. So uh, after I <coughs> after I finished my PhD, I worked as a sales and protein manager for a company making recombinant proteins, uh, polymerase. Um, so it, do you know what it is? Um, uh, Polymerase is, a, is, a, is an enzyme. Yeah, it's more like, a, you know, a copy machine making more copies of paper. Yep. Yeah, this is just like this polymerase making more copies of DNA. Like the polymerase chain reactions. So yeah, yeah. So, for example, if you get, a, you get a hair or a blood sample from a crime sign, uh, you can actually multiply the DNA, cut it in smaller pieces, and it is unique for every person. So this, is, this polymerase is just like a copy machine. Okay, it can take a little, little bit of something and make it into a lot. Yeah. So uh, this is just, uh, but I did this for about one year and it got a little bit to um, me sitting down in the office. And, uh, it was not a yin yang situation. So uh, I was just having too much uh, energy. So, <laughs> yeah. so I actually took a job as a brewmaster at a smaller brewery uh, on Death Island. And I was Excuse there. Excuse me, Death Island? Uh, this island. This island, okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. But in Denmark, there's a, uh, 200 islands or something, yeah. I think. So, and after I was there one year, I was actually hired as a head brewmaster, as a head brewer in a very small brewery in Bavaria. It's uh, south of München. That's a it, good, good place for beer. Oh yeah, it's the best. <laughs> so uh, they, there's like south of München in the mountains where everyone, all men was wearing lederhosen and all the females were wearing dental. <laughs> so it was absolutely a perfect place. <laughs> yeah. It was a small brewery just next to the mountains. You could see snow and, uh, on the top. It was a river, it was an old mill. It was just, it was the best job ever. Uh-huh. I, was, uh, I was just under the, the CEO, which in German is Geschäftsführer. But since I have a PhD, they call me Herr Doctor. Which okay. it, it, it took some getting used to. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm trying to educate my people here in Denmark to call me doctor, but there's Herr a doctor. little bit, it, it takes some practice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, well, that sounds like a, a nice time yeah. in your life there, and, and especially you know, to, learn, to, to learn the trade of being a, a master brewer. Yeah. So they, they, uh, I gave them uh, Danish science, and I upgraded the volume and make the fermentation more perfect, and they gave me the tradition of brewing beer in Bavaria, which uh-huh. is 1,000 years old. Indeed, indeed. So that it sounds a, like a good, a a good trade mix. there. Yeah. And then I guess you decided to, to leave there at, at, at some point. And yeah, I had my family back in Denmark, so I couldn't, I, I missed my wife and my kids too much. Of course, yeah. I couldn't bring them there because the, the dialect was not German, it was Bavarian. It was mm-hmm. a mountain da- 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 dialect, so it took me months to learn just understand it a little bit. Yeah. But you came back to Owens and decided to... Yeah, starting up my own brewery. 
So I started with my uh, own system, but it was trick, uh, it was quickly too old and too. Uh, it was simply just too wet down. So uh, I uh, there was uh, sold away. So I started brewing different places until I was my company was strong enough and big enough to find a good place and buy our own systems, which we are here right now. I told people on, on social media that, that I was meeting up with you today and Anders asks uh, if you could share your, your process about collecting yeast. Yeah, if you take it from the beginning, that I, you know as well, yeast is everywhere in nature. Uh-huh. Uh, even as a, we as we are homo sapiens, even though we have homo sapiens cells in us, we have more yeast and bacteria cells in us than homo sapiens. So yeast is everywhere, especially where there's sugar. So we just have to go in nature and find them. So, uh, you, so um, if you imagine that yeast cells have more or less the same, uh, what are called, uh, building materials as us, they can make a lot of different things, just like alcohol. But if you, um, if you see it from a practical side, yeast don't have wings, yeast don't have legs, so they cannot move from place to place. So they found out a perfect, brilliant way to do it. They secrete fruit esters with ta- with aroma of banana, raspberry, apple, and so if you uh, if you are a banana fly, you just uh, come by. It's like oh, there's something. No, there's nothing. But then they actually move uh, yeast cells from uh, from a place to another place because they smell of what they want to want to find. So this is a perfect place for a perfect um, way for yeast cells to be moved around. So this one we use in brewing. So if we want to have a beer that tastes of um, cherry, we find the yeast cells with the aroma of cherry. Mm-hmm. You know a, pa- you know a beer called Paulander or Erdinger? That's like a nice beer. Yeah. Yep. This one is a made with a yeast with aroma, a fruit ester, with a, a, a fruit ester called isomyl acetate. And it's just like the aroma of banana. So, so whenever the, the, the yeast, is, the particular yeast, is, is making this aroma, does, does its food matter? So can you repeat? The, the yeast that has an aroma of cherries yeah. in, in pollen there, does it matter what the yeast is eating? No, actually you can find it everywhere, but I have to just like, if you imagine a field of flowers, there's millions and millions of yeast, and maybe there's two which can be used. So it's that difficult to find the yeast. There's n- almost, have you heard of anyone who's, who's just like having success of finding uh, yeast cells in nature to brewing beer? Well, you? Yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but I have my academic background to thank for it because it's um, um, my mentor, my, what I look up to is Louis Pasteur. He's also a biologist, just like us. But he found- From, from the 18th century? Yeah, 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 but I'm using the same technique as he, as he does. I'm using, uh, the way he found out 200 years ago, I'm using exactly the same way. I'm just looking for something else. He was looking to purify yeast and, nat- uh, and bacteria. I'm looking for a way to find the one yeast in a field of billions of yeasts which can be used. And I'm doing this by collecting flowers, putting them in, into medium, just like letting them grow. Let's see what happens. And the media is selective. For example, if I want to look for wine yeast, I'm, I was using grape as media. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking for a cider yeast, I was looking apples. But right now, I'm using barley as a media because I want this one to grow on uh, melted texture. 
so actually I was... Um, so you're looking for a yeast that can take, take the barley uh, and turn it into alcohol and, yeah, and, and, and sweet-smelling uh, aromas? Yeah, to, to, to remember that I told the part about aroma. Yeah. So my, I have very, have a lot of small jars with, with a green beer, which is like sterile beer. Then I add a flower. So the, but beer yeast have a perfect aroma. So I actually wait a little bit, and when it grows up, I just like use my nose to smell it. If it smells bad, it's like out. Mm-hmm. If it smells great, I continue. Mm-hmm. This is the first step. So I actually have lots of jars. I just like use my nose to smell which one smells great. And this one I continue selecting and purifying and making experiments. So that's interesting. Say, in, in that example, on that flower, there's going to be countless different strains of yeast. Mm. Um, and so whenever you get that smell, you're not sure which particular strain is making that. No. So how do you then continue that and refine it and identify which, which strain is I'm making I'm using that? no or less the same technique as Louis Pasteur. Your nose? No, uh, this is one. <laughs> yeah, but more or less because that uh, for the first... Um, I, one of the ingredients of my media is hops. Hops is antiseptic, which means that bacteria is difficult to grow in it. Not impossible, but difficult. Then I add alcohol, which then again, it's for, um, for non-alcohol producing yeast or bacteria, is difficult to grow. And then I'm using thyme because that um, uh, some, there's another yeast you, you'd make wild yeast, the Brasilianus lambicus, for example, but they divide so slowly, it takes about three weeks for them to grow, if they grow just like by naturally. But uh, standard beer yeast, Saccharomyces salivistiae, they divide one per hour. So they are extremely fast dividing and can grow fast. So if I see a fast fermentation just like from day to day, what, by the hour, and it tastes great, the chance of it being beer yeast, which is beer, the media is, my media is selecting for beer yeast. And if you add the, uh, the factor of aroma, and if you add the factor of time, you have an extremely high chance of finding beer yeast. If you put it all together, yeah. plus another, um, I have some more things I, um, I, in this, I always forget when people ask me. What, what more things do you have? I have I have more selecting career, but I always forget when people are asking me. <laughs> you're you're not going to share them, are you? I'm I'm sharing a lot, but I'm not sharing everything. <laughs> of course not, of course not. Um, so you mentioned the 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 yeast on bee honey bee legs earlier on. Did you use the same process for that? Did, did you yes. like scrape scrape uh, the uh, little penny, penny uh, Yes, I know. Uh, actually, it was um, um, I was starting a project in there was March in Denmark, and there's nothing in there's no in Denmark March, no apples, no berries, no flowers. There's absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, so actually, I was there was the uh, the other place where we was uh, two years ago, two years ago, and uh, I remember that uh, I was looking for somewhere to find yeast. So I remember that the old lady next door is making honey. So, um, and when I was a master student, I remember an article where ants was making collaboration with, uh, with they, they collected ye- uh, leaves 
they took leaves down in their uh, ant. Uh, ant colony, yeah. Yeah, and then they actually used yeast to ferment the leaves into sugar. So actually ants had collaboration with yeast. So why shouldn't uh, bees have collaboration? So I looked in uh, the scientific uh, articles and there was absolutely no one who has ever investigated what kind of microbiology is the surface of bees. But in my head, the hypothesis was actually, uh, I, it just gave sense even though no one had done it before. So I actually uh, said if yeast is everywhere and they are where there is sugar, and bees are where there is sugar. Just why shouldn't they transfer around on yeast? That's a wonderful scientific mind there. So I just like, uh, I borrowed about 10 bees. Uh, Asta got stung about five times. I feel really bad. Who's that? Asta was the old lady. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, Asta, I'm going to look for bee yeast, and a bee, as a bee um, as a yeast on your honeybees. Can I borrow 10 bees? So it's like, oh yeah, sure. So she caught, she, got, she caught about in the hand ten bees, and uh, I put them. Do you know what a uh, you know what a petri dish is? Yes. Uh, so actually, it's uh, like a, a circular glass. Uh, yeah, with jar with media with, with agar, so it's solid. Agar. Yep. So actually, uh, on each each petri dish there was a bee, and the bee was jumping around and was really angry, especially because I shaked it a little bit. So after after a couple of hours, I actually let the bee go. And actually, I never saw a bee again. I'm not <laughs> so yeah, but um, uh, so uh, the, actually, after some weeks, uh, about one week, actually, uh, in as so I just imagined, the bee is every, everywhere in the flower, and they actually collect what they're collecting uh, on the hairs, on the legs, on the on the wings, everywhere you have yeast and bacteria. So when they were jumping around. Uh, the dust on the surface of the bees was going around on the petri dish, as a jumping, as a falling down on the petri dish. So actually, in, I could see in the footsteps of where the bee was jumping around, there came yeast colonies. And then I actually uh, I harvest them, I put them into a jar and start growing them. And then I actually, it took a half year, and I, I isolated about four different strains of yeast with the, the first one have a perfect aroma of banana. Uh-huh. So I couldn't make a German Weissbier with a yeast from a honeybee. Number two have Fantastic. perfect aroma of raspberry. So actually, I can, it's in, in French, it's called Olivier de Fambois, which in Danish, uh, sorry, in, in Danish is Himbeerfruchtbrannewien, and in English is a raspberry spirit. Uh-huh. That's a raspberry brandy, maybe. Um, and then um, number three have aroma of apples, so I can use it for cider. And number four have got the ketones and just the same as aroma as a billion yeast used for making a double and a triple. Wow. And this is just a one temperature because I, if I change the temperature, the aroma of the yeast is changed. The, the aroma or the, or the actual uh, dominant strain of yeast? No, 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 it's, it's the same yeast, just like okay. for each temperature, the aroma uh, of the, what it secretes is different. So if you take the yeast with an aroma of raspberry at 26 degrees and use it at 20 degrees, it's neutral and can be used, for example, for whiskey. That, that's amazing, that. So I, I want to go back 
and, and talk more about this aroma because you seem to suggest earlier on that the yeast were they would benefit from producing an aroma like that yeah. because it would attract like bees or ants or yeah. or, or humans yeah it's my, it's my theory that this is uh, just for example uh, another thing that yeast is perfect for is like they're making alcohol so yeast found out that uh, if they have air they can just live and produce however they found out if they make a pathway and there's no air they can actually make sugar into alcohol as a they can make sugar into alcohol uh, and they put byproducts is uh, as, as they can make sugar and live of it and the byproduct is uh, ca carbon dioxide and alcohol mm -hmm. but this is made without any kind of air so they have uh, they can they can live with air they can live without air mm -hmm. so if we uh, add we, if we put yeast and we put oxygen into the yeast they will grow and multiply if we stop giving them yeast they will stop multiplying but then they will make alcohol and when do they produce these aromas? Is it is it whenever there's no oxygen? It's a mix. It's a mix. Uh, because uh, when they grow and they multiply, they make something called coosmid A. It's a it's a m middle product. And when in the in the end they they build up this compound when they're dividing and growing. So when they are finished, and there's no sugar, no anything, they com com they make this product into a food ester. So so if we're walking around and we see a, an apple lying on the ground and it started to rot or a banana and, and it's got that beautiful aroma yeah. and it started to it started to ferment yeah. you know it, it's it's yeast that it's that that is attacking the the fruits and breaking it down yes and for example in the in the old days you actually you just uh, think about wine so you remember the the old days when they took grapes put it in an extremely big barrel and just like uh, uh, crushed it and the, on the surface of the grapes, there was plenty of just like wine. It's a beer yeast. Wine yeast and beer yeast is the same. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was plenty of uh, fermenting yeast. So all they needed to do was crush, yeah, crush cr the grapes crush it and just leave then it. Wait. Yep. So they are, they are simply well, They were also doing it in their bare feet as well. So you might have had some, yeah, some, but some dirty feet yeast. They <laughs> actually, they, con <laughs> they contain a lot of uh, yeast too. Uh -huh. yeah, so yeah, it I was... Yeah, but it's a it's an it's a factor which is not very known, but it's also give character to the wine. Yeah. <laughs> no one no one wants to hear it. <laughs> indeed, indeed. At that. So can I uh, can I tell you a story? I'd love to hear a story. If I give you something, can you explain what you what you see and feel? So what I'm holding in front of me, it looks like some kind of. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say it, like, but an art artist's depiction of, of like a, a crown of thorns made of uh, made of wood, made of uh, made of what are these clothes pegs? So it, it would fit around my head. It's like a, a a circular circular thing. You can hear it there. I'm rattling it. It's. Uh, but I have no idea what. Have it you might. never seen it before? I've never saw it before. No. It's a yeast ring. A yeast ring. Yeah, if you imagine this is uh, this is just like a, you know a, a standard puzzle which your kid kids make. Yeah. Yeah, this is just like uh, you have uh, it's just like one brick, but they're all the same and they're collected. So they make a ring of a puzzle wooden ring, which the surface is extremely large. 
So in this yeast ring, it goes actually, I've seen it back to the 16th century. Oh, sorry, 1600. Uh, 1600. Uh -huh. So about 400, 500-400 years ago, I've seen this in the museums. So this is actually because it's a wooden ring. It's a, it's a great ray, way to keep yeast between brewing. So, how do you how do you do it? Like scrape? Yeah, scrape yeah. On. Actually, first, first, uh, if you imagine this one is covered with yeast, so uh, you use it by taking a string because if you touch it, the uh, lactobacillus from your hands is going to affect the beer. Mm -hmm. So you never touch it, but you touch using a, a, a string. So you put it into you brewed beer. It's cooled down. You put the wooden ring. The Gerkrans, the Kweigring, uh, you put it into the beer, and it's, the yeast is yeast is perfectly capable of drying out and reviving again. Mm -hmm. So it comes to life and it's fermenting the the beer. So then you take the yeast, the ring up, and you uh, you clean it, you sterilize it by by hot water, and when the beer is finished, you put it back, and the the yeast slowly settles back on the yeast ring, and you take it up and put it in a in a safe space and dry it until next time. And the, the yeast can just sit there dormant for if need be hundreds of years. Uh, no, no, but they can they can sit you you more they use it, you're fresh they are because every day a Do they not go into like some kind of they are they are but someday every day a little bit of yeast is dry, dying. Okay. So you more you use it the more fresh it is. So actually, there's a little bit, if you go back in science, you can actually, if you imagine this yeast ring is, yeast ring is from the 1600, but the sign before was actually a, a cane, and in the end of the cane, there was crafted holes and mosaic and sculptures, so the surface was big. And if the surface is big, it can carry a lot of yeast. Mm -hmm. So if you go back about 3,000 years, so if you imagine there's about a big pot and you have druids, do you know Miracolix? Druids, we had druids in, in, in Celtic uh, yes. in Celtic history. So, the, so what did the druids have? What, did they have beer? Yes, actually. <laughs> but they, you know Miracolix have magic. They have magic? Yeah. So actually, do you think magic can make things to life? So if you imagine that actually they have a magic wand and the magic wand was blessing the, the brew and it made to life. Yes, So and the yeast was on the magic wand. Yes, so wow. actually if you put this, the, it was not a magic cane, it was a yeast cane. What they didn't tell anyone that the yeast, the cane containing yeast was actually giving life to the, to the, the brew and therefore, when people didn't understand what was happening, they called it magic. That might be where the, the, the modern magic wand comes from. Exactly. The Celtic druids making yeah. beer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so actually, do you know what? Blown. Can you <laughs> see the connection now? Yes, yes, 100%. So why does Harry Potter have a magic wand? Because he wants to make a beer. Yeah. he's got yeast on top of it. Yes. The yeast are the magic. S yes, the yeast, yeast are the magic. magic. The yeast are the magic. That's fantastic, Klaus. Cheers to that. That's <laughs> cool. That's cool. So, you're, you're talking about people a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, three thousand years ago making, making beer. But th 
they didn't have microscopes. They didn't know that it was the yeast. Like, you're you're clearly a man who's really looked into his history and thought about his ancestors. What what do you, what could they have been thinking, a thousand years ago, yeah, whenever I'm, they're making beer? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm allowed to tell. <laughs> uh, it's a bit kinky. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, but, and you can cut it up, yeah. But yeah, but actually, it's because it uh, in the Viking area because of it, it was giving life. They actually called it the semen of Odin. Beer? No, no, no. Yeah, yeast. The yeast. The white stuff giving life to beer was the semen of Odin. <laughs> how, how did they? So, so I, I imagine it's a bit like making sourdough bread. They had this yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah, 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 this yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like bowl with just this like. Ugly looking stuff just left there to to like grow, uh, and then uh, they, they, they did what you're doing in there with the, uh, the horizontal hollowed out oak, and they had their you know their their uh, uh, ingredients uh, in there, and yes. then they threw in the semen of Odin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I heard a story. I was sitting in the bar in uh, in um, in Lidatrania, in Vilnius, and there was a story about it was 100 years old. It was a story about a brewer going uh, in uh, in a trip. Uh, he was going in the forest, and uh, you know when the, when the tree is bleeding, there's a little bit of sugar coming out, and this uh, tree was actually there was foam. Uh, no, to, no, the English word is um, it's not foam. It's uh, 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 sap. No, no, no. Uh, 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 the foam of a beer, what they call it? You call it, oh. you call it, call it foam, you call it froth? froth? Fro- the froth, yeah. yeah oh, sorry, the froth of, uh, f- of, uh, of the sap of the tree was, it was, there's a lot of, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I call it foam again. Um, <laughs> the, 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 this word is so difficult for me to pronounce. Froth. <laughs> yeah, so um, there was foam on this uh, sap, there was tree, so the, the brewer knew instantly there was yeast. So he took some of the foam with him home, Put it into green beer, and instantly it started brewing beer and converted it into alcohol. So this was the best best beer brewing yeast he ever had, and it still lives today, a hundred years after. So again, yeast is everywhere. You have to look for it. So mm-hmm. this actually inspired me for a look for yeast in nature because you just have to look for it. Then it's there. Where is the next place you're going to be looking? If you imagine we are at the harbor, at the inner harbor, mm-hmm. and just across, uh, there's about maybe 50 meters across. It's quite narrow where we are right now. It's getting better, better than in this, in the, on the inner side. But on the other side, there is actually a lot of uh, trees. There was a beautiful castle there 500, 500 years ago. Okay. And uh, this castle where actually uh, there was a, the, the, when the king and queen would travel around in Denmark, they actually have deep castles everywhere, and they lived at these castles when they were controlling the country. So um, Nespihul's castle was just like 400 meters from where we are right now, but it was burned down 500 years ago, and there's nothing left at a big hill. So on this big hill, there's lots of flowers, trees, everything. But actually, when I went up there, there was um, lots of blackberries. And blackberries, of course, they come from flowers. So uh, I was picking a lot of flowers from blackberry and putting it into small jars with media. And some of them started to grow. 
some of them spelled badly, which was just like thrown away. But I has, still have a lot of jars left, which is from black flowers from blackberries, and they smell absolutely amazing. Uh-huh. So actually, there's uh, I think. What the, uh, what the aroma is this now is a little bit too early, but I think I found aroma of apricot and peach and raspberry and a lot of different things. Because now now they still a mix, they're not pure yet. No, not only does that sound delicious, it it draws with what you're you've been talking about this evening, which is like look at history, bring in history there. So you're going over to the actual settlement of the old king from 500 years ago, and you're 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 getting your yeast from from the the remains of the of the old burnt out fort. Yeah, but because th- this this is a part of of Odense, which also not everyone in Odense know there's actually a king castle which yeah. used to be there, which controlling this part of the island. So when now we can tell this story too. I like the fact that you're using his beer to tell history, because this podcast uses beer to yeah. talk about science. Yeah, and <laughs> beer brings good memories and good friends and lots of talks. So it's uh, just, I think it's a good mix. I think so. So if you combine history, if you combine science, if you combine the story of, story of beer, you can actually find connections everywhere when people haven't seen them before, but they are so logic when you see when people have seen that magic is actually science. It's the beautiful connections you're talking about. It's about how the, the yeast and the, the ants are work, working together. You know, it's about the bees and the yeast that are, that are, that are attracting the, the different insects and, and aromas and about how, how all of this came together for you to extract, extract the yeast and for us to be enjoying these delicious beers right here. The world is totally connected and a lot of those connections are totally invisible and that's what you call the magic. Yeah. But with science and the microscope... They come come forward. Exactly. Klaus, thanks very much for joining me in the Science of Beers podcast. It was an absolute pleasure. It was. uh, (laughs) It was wonderful to be invited. Thank you. my, My last... Maybe my last comment is when... When we close down for renovation now, but maybe a year from now, you can you can stand in one place. You can see beer is brewing, beer is fermenting, beer is uh, serving from tanks, and everything is being done with a yeast I found on a flower of a blackberry, just like 400 meters here, a place <laughs> where the king used to live. That's fantastic. For those of you listening in Olenze, come on down to the Monkapur Brewery. It is on the the right side of the harbour as you're coming down from the city. Uh, the address is... Mulukain Fim. Mulukain Fim. Uh, and you're open from when to when, Klaus? Uh, right now, the, the opening times is changing all the time. But yeah, it's because from of the, Thursday the, to Saturday. The great pandemic. Uh, it takes about 10 minutes to go here from the train central and a half an hour to go back. But it's uh, you have a lot of outdoor seating here next to the beautiful view. I'm looking up at the at a half moon at the moment that's just 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 drifting past the big silo on the, on the island over there. You can see the lights of the city. What a wonderful place you have here, Klaus. Thank so, you. Let's get another beer. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that episode of the Science and Beers podcast. I certainly enjoyed recording it. Uh, 
If you're in Onza, make sure you come check out the brewery. If you're not in Onza, I still hope you uh, you learned something from that that episode. Please consider supporting this podcast. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash science and beers. Thanks for listening.